Welcome to the Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. When we heed the call and say yes to live from the truth of our hearts, we accept the invitation to deeply relax, trust, and let go of fear, control, struggle, suffering, and separation. Now, here is your host, Sandy Goldstone. Hello, lovelies. Welcome to this week's episode of Sounds of the Heart. As your host, I am delighted to have your beautiful presence and heart's vibration join with mine. As we listen, share, and explore in this hour together, I invite us all to join together as one conscious global heart as we take a deep breath in. And relax out with a sound. Ah. To gently ground our being in calm stillness. Meeting ourselves in love, as love, what we always are now. Ah. And it is so wonderful to feel our hearts become part of the one unified field of love through the breath. Thank you for joining me again today, wherever you are right now on the planet, whatever time it is for you, know that you are greatly welcomed and your presence is celebrated. And it gives me great delight to welcome a new guest to our global family of Sounds of the Heart, and his name is Steph Siffendos. As a mindset and transformational coach, Steph is here to transform, first himself and then through examples of sovereign leadership, assist others in connecting to the most true, authentic, real version of themselves. Steph chooses to focus on the gap that gap between where one is and where they wish to be. By understanding that gap, we reach an empowered, conscious place of being that allows us to live authentic, balanced and fulfilling lives. We then align with our highest values and here lies great power to transform, inspire, lead and evolve. Steph holds degrees in science and philosophy, environmental science and commerce and entrepreneurship with a focus on leadership development. He has been a part of the health and wellness industry for well over 10 years with training in Ayurvedic medicine, neuro-linguistic programming, Psych-K, hypnosis, life coaching, media and public speaking, group facilitation, holistic health, high-intensity training methodologies, physical and psychological conditioning, and performance coaching. If he is not writing, reading, lecturing, learning, teaching, climbing a mountain, immersed in the ocean, traveling with loved ones, meditating or challenging his mind and body deeply, Steph can be contacted at www.steph.com. Sifandos.com. Welcome, Steph, to Sounds of the Heart. 
Thank you so much for having me. Very grateful to be here. There you are most welcome and it is delightful to have you here. And as we've entitled today's discussion, Doing Business <clears throat> the Heart's Way. So mm. it really feels pertinent right now that we um, learn to do things different and move from that model of that old patriarchal thinking of domination, manipulation, mm. control, coercion, competition, conquering, comparison. Mm. It's all very warlike in its language and in its movement and behavior. So, um, so as a mindset and transformational coach, how do you meet these um, old ways of being and transform them through your teaching as a mind and transformational coach? Mm, it's, a, it's an integrated and very complex question. It's a very interesting one. I think it's, it's a question that many great minds for many years have been, have been looking at in different ways. And it's interesting the language that you use because it is a very rigid language uh, and we, I, th- I believe, as a, as a collective society, we must move away from limiting ourselves to that language and coming from a very, di- very different space of, of being and also doing, not only in our individual thought processes and the way we, we posture ourselves through this earth relationally and so forth in our communities, with our families, with our colleagues, but also as a greater collective um, and and we, we, many of us have probably heard that term corporate social responsibility or CSR. And I suppose to go back to answer your question as a as a mindset and transformational coach, what do I do to uh, or how do I posture a different state of being that is almost the antithesis to what is the norm now, which again is very. Mm is quite coercive and controlling, is quite rigid in its structure, is quite overpowering, is quite selfish and individualistic. Well, I always believe with beginning with the individual. So before we move to the collective, we must begin with the individual. And then once the individual is of, uh, I would assume, or speak to a sound mind or a balanced heart, uh, and there's an integration between between heart and mind in the way we move through the world, we then very closely and simultaneously look at collective structures, uh, socio-cultural, socio-economic paradigms and looking at those collective structures in our society and asking ourselves how can we do this more effectively, how can we be more efficient in these practices, how can we be more inclusive in these practices and corporate social responsibility is something that corporations, that businesses, that governments alike can take on board as an ethos uh, to begin to make a deeper transformation at, at a broader collective level in, in those socio-cultural, socio-economic practices. But I believe that corporate social responsibility as it is now is outdated. I, I believe that it's, it's lost its place um, as something of great value and of possible um, positive, net positive impact on, on our earth and on each other as human beings and our communities. And I think we need to redefine that. And uh, I've developed actually a, a, a model for that and I've called it corporate consciousness. And it, it almost it moves from a corporate social responsibility level and it, it moves 
us into a greater state of empowerment and responsibility as individuals, um, but as a greater collective as well. Mm. Mm. So, so from your teaching models of sovereign leadership and learnings mm. and experience, what what from your perspective are the qualities of a great leader? Mm. Wow. Okay, that's a that's a really good question as well. So, uh, the sovereign leadership model that I've developed has uh, fourteen tenets. So, and that really does speak to the individual. That really does speak to us as people looking at ourselves and asking ourselves, again, how can we do life differently? How can we move through life with greater efficacy? How can we move through life with um, improved relationships, but primarily focusing on the self? And the underlying theme of that is something I call selfish selflessness, where, and you mentioned power before, but this taps into a very different type of power, taps into an authentic power. So rather than tapping into a power that's coercive and controlling and autocratic and and rigid um, and overpowering, it taps into an authentic power that balances one's intellect or one's cognitive function with one's heart-based function, compassion. Um, in fact, self-compassion is one of the the key one of the key fourteen tenets in the sovereign leadership model, and that selfish selflessness moves through the world um, with an ethos of I wish to prioritize and and evolve my own journey in life, my own mindset, expand my consciousness, uh, grow who I am in this world, while simultaneously being of service to others, being the mm-hmm. best possible human being I can be to my immediate peer group uh, or groups, my immediate family, my loved ones, my intimate partner, my community, my my country, the earth. And with that simultaneous uh, ethos or approach to life, we become very empowered and we then, that's the beginning stages for assuming a posture of sovereign leadership. But beyond that, there's 14 tenets or 14 key practices that we can engage in that allow us to be effective governors of self, which is effect, which is what a sovereign leader is, is, is an ability to govern self authentically, truthfully, with integrity. Um, and that, if we practice that, I'm of the belief that our world begins to change because we have all these individuals that are quite conscious, that are quite self-aware. And again, self-awareness is um, is a is a key tenant of uh, of that um, is part of the sovereign leadership model, which sits under the authentic self. Mm. Mm. And so this year has been a big year for all of us, and we've all mm. been going through our own. Um, inner transformations, our own mm. um, different levels of awakening to greater levels of truth and being more authentic to our soul's calling. So what inner transformations have you noticed taking place with inside yourself this year? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, the inner transformations that I've I've connected to are really moving, and this has been probably a journey for me the last 18 months, mm. um, have been moving from a place of not not being in integrity, not connecting to the true essence of who I've been, but then stepping into my courage to be able to do that. And that's, in fact, one of the reasons that the, well, the most 
powerful, empowering reason why the sovereign leadership model was born. It's been something that's been years in the making, but has really solidified the last 18 months because of my own personal transformations. And I wanted to look at what practices and what states of being could I engage in, um, practical but also spiritual practices that would allow me to be more connected to self and move from being out of integrity or lacking integrity and move into integrity where there was a, a very strong connection and a symbiosis and a mirroring effect between my internal state, so my thoughts, my emotions, um, and my actions, my external state, my behaviours, because they weren't marrying up previously. So for me, the last 12 to 18 months has been a, an, an immersive, deep journey uh, into that. And also, as a byproduct of that, is valuing self and realising my own self-worth and bringing that abundance into my own life through a, a very deep-seated change in thought process a very deep-seated change in the way I observed myself as a human being, which, again, came from moving and being in integrity. That that changed everything for me. Mm, mm. So it sounds like it's about the insides matching the outsides. So uh, absolutely often, that, yeah. Yeah. So quite often it's like, you know, that thing of fake it till you make it, it actually doesn't work. <laughs> if you fake, you fake. <laughs> It doesn't matter, like, you know, if you put, if a wolf puts on um, sheep's clothing, it's still a wolf underneath. So, I mean, and I think that's what we're all waking up to. It's it's mm. that um, if we're not in integrity, then it will get reflected back to us where we're mm. not and where we're out mm. of alignment. So um, why is the practice of stillness, reflection and deep inner listening integral to us being able to show up as our true authentic self so we can do business the heart's way? Mm, mm. Uh, yeah, great, great question. Um, still, Artful stillness and silence is actually a key tenant of the sovereign leadership model. Um, and for me, I had to go into stillness and silence. See, business or commerce is simply an extension. Any, any cultural inference is simply an extension of our capacity to experience humanness. Mm. Um, and, and whether it be commerce or whether it be in our families or whether it be uh, a, a personal practice of, of physical health and fitness or um, uh, building our own businesses or whatever cultural practice it is, uh, artful stillness, because it is an art, and that silence, that going deep within can be so valuable for assisting us in understanding our purpose, our vision for self, but also assisting us in connecting, in connecting deeply to those that we care about as well, because in stillness and in silence, we discover truth. We can't hide from it. There's no cultural clutter. There's no ambient sound in the background. There's, there's nothing that hides or stops us from seeing that authentic truth that rests in silence and stillness. There's a, there's a beautiful quote by Ram Das: the quieter you become, the more you can hear. Um, Rumi also says, you know, silence is the language of, of God. All else is poor translation. Mm. These, are, these are prominent thought leaders and, and, and masterminds of, um, of today. And there's one actually, there's a, there's a beautiful, see, I suppose I'm answering your question or, or 
uh, you know, exploring your question through <laughs> these beautiful quotes, these beautiful quotes that are timeless almost. And Sri Ramana uh, Maharshi says, when, when the mind is left without anything to cling to, it becomes still. The, mm. the, the inner silence is self-surrender, and that is without the sense of ego. Solitude is in the mind of all of humanity. Silence is ever speaking, and it is the perennial flow of language. It is interrupted by speaking only. See, for words obstruct this mute language. Therefore, silence is permanent and benefits the whole of humanity. Now, that's, that's beautiful. That's so moving. I mean, if we're doing business, and if, if the leaders of any business, whether it be a multinational, a global business, or even just a community-based business that's in the local suburb, remains in silence, connects to their truth, and moves then with that truth. Can you imagine the, the conscious vibration of humanity, of earth, just, just raising tremendously? Mm. Mm. That's, the, that's, the, that's the power of silence. Yes. And, and the movement would be very different in itself because instead of coming from that self-protectionism and mm. because you have got thoughts of scarcity and mm. not being enough and everything, you see that you're mm. interconnected and one with all things and that abundance and prosperity and um, what comes through that unification through love consciousness. And so we can move from that place of generosity and kindness and humility mm. and grace mm. and ease instead you know, of this combative yeah 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 so so um those quotes wow just one on their own is just enough to kind of just mm-hmm. sit with and reflect on and if we could just bring that awareness to that stillness and and our true essence of being, our true nature, is the mm. silence. Mm, yeah, beautifully said, Sandy. Absolutely. And I was thinking while you were speaking then about you know, how can we bring silence into and stillness into, you know, cos- co- conscious um, business leadership. And and I was thinking that you know commerce, especially multinational, uh, international, global commerce, can be such a stressful. Um, events or a stressful series of events or, or stressful process for so many involved, especially the the leaders, leaders within those those businesses. And you know, I was just thinking, just the physiological benefits, and this has been proven by science of being still and sitting in silence. Uh, you know, the brain becomes more interactive. We develop good hormone res- regulation. Um, we, we the plaque around the arteries reduce. Our immune system boosts. Uh, the blood pressure lowers, um, critical um, reflection can take place, which leads to clarity in decision-making, relaxes the nervous system, and the list goes on. Can you imagine if every business leader took, and it just even even individuals within commerce as well, but even, even government faculties took the time as part of their practice, daily practice to remain in silence, the, the physiological stress would be lessened. They wouldn't be coming from a place of fear and scarcity like you mentioned. They'd be coming from a place of clarity of mind. So the decisions that are made that influence and impact so many of us now and future generations would just tra- change dramatically, wouldn't it? Mm, mm. I'm just thinking. Silent. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. And I'm just thinking, what what a what a miracle of grace it would be if, if before the next um, um, debate with Trump and Clinton that we could just be in silence. <laughs> mm. <laughs> before we even opened our mouths, like, you know, if, if everyone could be just remarkable. be silent <laughs> and then allow that which looks through our eyes to mm. meet and speak from that place of grace and from our hearts and our minds being one with the heart and mind of the infinite, you know, God source consciousness. So, mm. yeah, that's my prayer. It, let's put it out there. Like, let's sure. put it out there. Oh. And we I can would love to hear something it. from both of them. That would be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, so you have written a book. So can you share what the main theme is and where our listeners may acquire a copy, Steph? Yeah, sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm just in the process of writing my um, my next book as well. But that, that first book, The Labyrinth of Life, um, is really it's it's a it's really a thought provoking book. It's a book of aphorisms, so it's a book of almost short philosophical poetry, accompanied by uh, what I, what I consider very powerful imagery, um, taken by a very close friend of mine who's an exceptional photographer, absolutely exceptional photographer, and the book is really just designed to elicit thought provoking philosophical dispositions within it's it's really there to get us thinking about our lives because I'm a big believer in the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves in life really determine the quality of the life that we live so if we are reading thought-provoking material it was really designed for the busy person for the person that maybe doesn't have the time or make the time rather to to read in great depth and uh, digest deep philosophy or, or wisdom, and it's just the short snippets. It's short philosophical poetry. It's, it's they're known as aphorisms. Excuse me, and they're really just to get us. You, know, you could read it in literally some. You could read in in ten seconds. Some might take you one or two minutes, and then it's for you to ponder upon. And it's to get us thinking about life a little bit differently. To get us help us thinking and feeling into life from a different perspective because that perspective can be so empowering, can take us from a disempowered place to a place where we feel that there's chaos within, that, that we're confused and we're, we come from fear and doubt to bringing us to a place of greater clarity and understanding of self and the world around us and our relationships. And that's really what the book is about. And you can find it anywhere, like on, on uh, bookdepository.com, on Amazon, um, on Balboa Press. Uh, Balboa Press was the publisher. So, yeah, anywhere from okay. there. Okay. Okay. So it could be used as like a, as a, a meditation exercise to contemplate and to um, meet ourselves in a deeper way and to have a, deeper, more intimate um, connection with all of life as a, as a holistic system. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful, beautiful. So what role does generosity, humility and gratitude play if we are wanting to be spiritually awake and aware that we are co-creators with the great mystery? Wow, powerful question again. Um, for me, humility and gratitude actually go together really well. 
Um, and I believe they go together really well because humility allows us to be open to being grateful. Um, could you do me a favour, please, Sandy? Could you ask that question again? I just want to digest it a little bit mm. differently. Yeah. Powerful question. <laughs> so what role does generosity, humility and gratitude play if we are wanting to be spiritually awake and aware that we are co-creators with the great mystery? Mm-hmm. Well, we perfect. So we first must be grateful for our own existence because if we don't recognise our own existence and our connected, see, humility the, the, standard, the standard definition of humility is the quality of having a modest or low view of one's importance. But we, we must really move uh, well beyond that because humility is far more than just that. True humility isn't about lowering ourselves for the sake of keeping up cultural appearances or, or social nuances and so forth. But humility is, isn't about so much thinking less of ourselves but thinking um, of ourselves less. But what that actually means, what that translates to is that it allows us to connect to all of humanity. It allows us to connect to uh, every other single person. And that's, that's beautiful. That's deep. Um, that opens us up for being grateful for all facets and aspects of our existence. So if we're wanting to connect to that that deep spiritual sense of self, that unified field uh, of consciousness and of reality, we must first begin by being in gratitude for who we are and what we have access to. And not only I'm, ta- I'm not only speaking to material things, but also to our ability to be conscious, to be aware of being aware, um, to mm-hmm. understanding that we are alive, that we have a life force. And from that space there, we can connect deeper and deeper to self and to uh, that greater unified field of consciousness or that that creation self. Mm. Mm. I just want us to just sit with that, to just kind of let that really sink in, Mm -hmm. just to being connected with that one unified creative self that we're all a part of Mm. and it's through cultivating those practices of generosity and humility and gratitude that puts us in direct contact with that so you know we have these feelings of hopelessness and despair arise because we are disconnected from Mm. our true source of being Mm. Mm. Yeah, we are, we, we're, and we're disconnected because we don't understand nor appreciate, and appreciation is another form of gratitude. And I'm generalising here, of course, to some degree, but we don't appreciate the depth of who we are and what we have access to as a humanity, as as people. And and that humility allows us to connect again to that gratitude, which is so powerful, just so powerful. Mm. Mm, and beautiful symbiosis between humility and gratitude. The humility sets the platform and the and the grounding for us to experience deep states of gratitude. I mean, and the benefits of gratitude are just so full. Yes, yes, it connects us to our um, capacity for limitlessness, to be mm, limitless mm, love and mm, action mm, in each and every mm, moment. Mm. So, okay, lovelies, it's time for us to take a short break. 
This is Sandy Goldstone, and my guest is the delightful Steph Sifinandos, and you are listening to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone on Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Stay tuned, and we'll be back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Sandy Goldstone wants to help you start your true self journey. Sandy works with all issues and ages for individuals, couples, and groups. She is a spiritual teacher and holistic counselor of the Heart's Way in Perth, Australia. It's time to gift yourself with knowing your own lightness of being, beauty, and truth. You can feel relaxed, loving, wise, joyful, and peaceful, whatever your experiences have been or what challenges you are currently facing. Are you ready? Let's do it. Say yes and call or contact Sandy Goldstone in Australia on 011-61420-399-287 or reach out to her on Facebook at Sandy Grace Goldstone and start your true self journey. Right now, Sandy is offering a special gift. Mention the radio show, Sounds of the Heart, and receive a 40% discount on each of your first two 90-minute Skype sessions. That's just $99 to start your true self journey with Sandy Goldstone. For more information or to receive this special offer, email soundsoftheheart at hotmail.com. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to the Sounds of the Heart. To find out more about our program, visit Sandy's website at soundsoftheheart.com.au. Again, that's soundsoftheheart.com.au. Now, back to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. And we are back, lovelies, with Sounds of the Heart on the 7th Wave channel of Voice America. And I am your host, Sandy Goldstone, talking with my delightful guest, Steph Sifandos. And Steph, as we were going to the break, we were talking about the roles of generosity and humility and gratitude and the importance that they play if we're wanting to be spiritually awake and aware that we are co-creators with the great mystery. Now, one of the things that has people be really afraid of being their true authentic self is that they don't want to risk being exposed to criticism or, um, you know, judgment and all that kind of stuff. They see what's happening out on the on the collective um, arena and, you know, they see vulnerability as being a really dangerous and scary thing. But my understanding is if you want to be authentic and tr- deeply true to yourself and your soul's calling, that vulnerability is a given for this. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Oh, well, I agree with that statement most definitely. I believe vulnerability is power because vulnerability is speaking to one's authentic truth. And when we're when we're vulnerable, we're being ourselves and the reality is the world needs the fullness of who we are, not some fragmented, broken version that's that's really stuck in perpetual fear and doesn't come from stepping into one's courage, which effectively is stepping into one's truth, which effectively is being vulnerable. And, and yeah, the reality is that we're going to be open to criticism and judgment. 
Um, and the skill or the, the, the masterful skill there is, is accepting that, is acknowledging that and knowing that we cannot make um, everybody happy. I mean, uh, irrespective of whether you're a religious person or not, I'll use this as an example, um, Jesus Christ could not make everybody happy either, hence why he was crucified. Now, the symbolism of that story, moving away from any literal understanding of it, but the point is that as as beautiful and as as loving and, and I mean, Jesus Christ has a, an agapistic ethics, which are love-based ethics, he was still crucified, he was still critiqued, he was still judged, and that is a natural part of our cultural existence here on this earth it's the the polarity of duality or the duality of polarity and it is it is natural to experience support and both uh, both support and both criticism uh, in our lives and i think accepting that and understanding that allows us to step further into our courage with reference to being vulnerable or being authentic mm. Mm. and you know, my experience is, is that if you don't get tested or challenged in that way, you don't actually get to see the internal resourcefulness within you. You don't get mm-hmm. to see the courage that lies within you or your capacity for great patience or to have clarity. Or And it's from wisdom. Um, you know, our wisdom arises from our plethora of experiences that we've that we've in our soul has contracted for us to have, and that's another thing is that is that you know we're here to evolve and grow and expand and experiencing ourselves as infinite and limitless. So we're going to be stretched and tested mm. and all that kind of stuff. That's that's a given. So instead of being scared of that, to just be curious and go, oh, wow, what am I going to learn about myself now that I never knew before? Mm, mm, mm. Very interesting. Yeah, I think challenge is when we're, when we're challenged and we're on the, the cusp of that challenge and support, but just leaning a little bit more to the challenge is where we, as you said, is where we truly deeply grow. Mm. And and right now, collectively, I feel like we're all being challenged from the political arena. <laughs> mm. oh, <laughs> and, um, absolutely. And and seeing that also as something that the collective has created, we have all we're all in this together. And these are when we don't um, deal with the stuff that we have wanted to hide because we've felt is separate from, you know, source and from the light of creation and we've wanted to see it as fragment and unlovable and unworthy to receive the light, then that kind of grows in momentum and in power. Mm. And mm. because we we assign it to the dark and and mm. the thing is is that um, everything is of the light and it only appears dark because it feels like it's separate from the light. So the stuff that is happening for us collectively is for us to see within ourselves where we have disowned those aspects. And so to, you know, it's a it's a weird thing, but this is what I'm going to say, is to 
to say a prayer of love and gratitude to the souls of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump for playing the role for humanity and its evolution in what they're doing for us right now collectively. Mm. It's a beautiful gesture and sentiment as well. And it's a, I, I believe, you know, and I really feel into that, that sentiment that, that approach that you've just taken is one of inclusivity and one of connectedness as opposed to one of exclusivity and, and, and one of, of disconnection, disconnection from each other. Mm. And so would inclusivity and the other word that you used, connection, um, mm. are they part of your tenants for sovereign leadership? Yes, most definitely, and and they are that that inclusivity and connection is is a is a key tenant actually of the corporate consciousness model as well for doing business in in a very different way. I think I feel it needs to be. We're just so interconnected through globalization, through technology, uh, through the way we interact with each other at a, at a global level. We, we have so much access to rich information and the way that travels around the world uh, literally at light speed. <laughs> um, mm. It's necessary that we're inclusive in our thoughts, in our emotional states, in our actions, in our complete way, way of being. It really is. It's crucial. Mm. Mm. So um, what would you, how would you respond to people that are worried about um, you know, poverty and the refugee crisis, how would you apply those principles to meet those kind of real challenges that we're facing as a global community? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's again, it's a very interesting and, and loaded and complex question. And, and the answer is really dependent greatly on perspective. You know, what perspective are you taking? What, what belief systems underpin your thoughts around that question? And for me personally, part of me says that it's, it's an integral part of a process that is required in order for us to realise our true potential as a, as a collective humanity, as a connected humanity, as a connected energy source for that matter. Uh, and then the other part of me says that it's very clear that there is disparateness and disconnection and brokenness in the fabric of our social structures and that it's a, you know, issues such as poverty, issues such as uh, the rising refugee epidemic that is occurring in the world and many other, many other issues alongside that that promote inequity and inequality um, arrested in our collective frameworks of operation, so our socioeconomic doctrines, for example, our capitalist structure. And it's, it's not, and again, I'm not a black and white person where, okay, if I'm against capitalism, I'm therefore for communism. Not at all. I'm, I'm really not for any ism. Um, mm. But what, what needs to transform clearly is the current model's social models, collective models of operation that we have at the moment, geopolitical and socioeconomic, because there's just too much disparateness. It's, poverty is not a natural part of living. It, it's not necessary, not with the access to information that we have, to technology, to innovation, to even just thought leadership, to philosophies and ethos of how we can be a very different humanity. 
Now, again, in saying that, and, and this is, again, this is why it's such an integrated, complex um, conversation is you when you're speaking to poverty, you're speaking to um, energy crisis, you're speaking to inequitable distribution of food, not that there's not enough food or that we don't have technology, um, whether it be in processes, methodologies or um, a hardware, for example, um, to produce enough food. We do. We produce three times more food than we need to globally. Mm. But it's how we do that. It's the how that is really damaged at the moment and is not working. Maybe it was working 200 years ago, but it doesn't really have a foundation and a place in today's modernity. And we need to be evaluating that as a collective. We need to look at our geopolitical structures, the way government is run, the way government is operated, the, the, the simple structure of government and how, how it integrates with the corporate world as well, the influence that corporatism has and big business has on government, which effectively gauges the direction of humanity to some degree. So it's a very multi, multifaceted, deep conversation. But um, to go back to your question, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big breath that needs to be taken in. And um, I, suppose, I suppose to simplify it, we need to look at ourselves as individuals and ask ourselves what type of lives do we wish to live. But again, if you're asking that, that question from a perspective of someone that is entitled or someone that has access to great material wealth as opposed to someone that is living in destitute and poverty – I believe the answers may be very, very different. And it also depends on their level of consciousness and awareness and what their highest values are, Sandy. You know, mm. are their highest values one of selfishness and just for themselves or is it more inclusive and community and giving and give back and connectedness? We have to ask those questions. That's why there's no real uh, black and white answer or there's no rigid answer to that. But, but to be very clear, I believe something needs to it's a, it's a whole lot of something needs to change here and now and transform and transmute within our collective paradigms and operational paradigms and even our thinking our collective thinking and feeling and connecting to each other needs to transform in order for us to experience greater abundance and connectedness and eliminate begin to eliminate the poverty and the destitute and the the um, exclusive attitudes that we have with each other Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel that that starts within, you know, that's Correct. why the stillness and, and the meditation mm. and the reflection and the deep mm. inner listening is is um, is central. I mean, that's our true yeah. nature and we're not going to find, you know, um, externally what it is that we need to meet mm. these challenges. Mm. All mm. our answers lie within us and it's from that point that we see that when we are generous, that we are in that place of gratitude, that we see the beauty and the abundance and the prosperity that we are a part of and are, is already have access to. And perhaps we know we've just become um, attached and identified to prosperity and abundance being in certain forms and we have limited our um, sphere of what we want that to look like, sound like, feel like, and we've diminished and dismissed all these myriads of other 
um, forms of prosperity and abundance that to be brought back into balance and harmony would bring back into the disparity of needing to have, you know, X amount of dollars and to basing your security and your sense of self in how much money you have. And um, so there didn't need to be that inequality and that disparity that is so evident because it's you're right there is there's enough for everybody there's there's mm. so much there's 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 more than enough for everybody it's just mm. that who holds the power and who holds the the um the resources to have access to those water food um you know economic um mm. reprieves and and the freedom that lies within that so we have to seek within our own hearts and see that there are no enemies, mm. that we are all part of the one whole and that we are magnificent, glorious expressions, creative expressions of that that are being called forth at this time to align with our heads and hearts and our souls and to birth that into a new way of being. Mm. 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 Yeah, well, wonderful, be- beautifully articulated, Sandy. Really, <laughs> very much so. Mm. So, where are you at now? You're saying that you're in the process of writing another book. Is that kind of in alignment with your inner transformations that have been taking place, and that you're now evolving, and and your level of consciousness is going to um, take us into a different place and space within ourselves to meet ourselves from that infinite, um, limitless space of silence. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, the, the the new book is is really a reflection uh, and a testament to my own growth, my own personal growth, mm-hmm. um, and also what I've discovered along that journey thus far in the last thirty four years of my life, and effectively where. I believe we can go as a humanity and as individuals. Mm-hmm. And the book, the book is is more a personal um, reflection on my my personal experiences, and then the extrapolated uh, lessons learnt from that, and how I believe they can apply to um, so many other people. Because we're all interconnected, we all share the same joys, the same problems, the same fears, they're all very similar. They're just articulated and expressed slightly differently because of our own individualised conditioning and interpretation of life, especially throughout our formative years. So it, it really just, um, I believe that we're all so deeply connected and, and, that, and, and, we, and we connect deeper through, through humility, through empathy, through compassion. Um, and we have those gifts, and they're biologically hardwired um, in us. We have, but we have those traits to be able to understand each other, and then learn from that space as well. You know, learn from other people, which effectively are mirrors for who we are as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, liberation arises from being true to our own nature, and mm-hmm. and there is a there is an ease and a and a Ah, just a relaxation, Mm -hmm. um, a great exhale when we can just deeply relax into that place of being. 
Yeah, we, we come back to what you just said then. We just come back to vulnerability, don't we? That's what, mm. that's what we come back to is that mm. authentic ex- expression of self and, and being able to do that with great, um, with great clarity and great wisdom and, and, and great love for self. Mm. Mm. So right now we're also kind of being um, uh, evolved beyond our idea of partnership um, mm. and as we unify, um, as we have that marriage of the masculine and the feminine within ourselves. Mm. And so what? how would you speak to people that were like kind of navigating that new terrain? How could you apply your tenets of sovereign leadership to meet that kind of new paradigm that's also arising in the collective from this shift in consciousness and this awakening process? Um, could, sorry, Sandy, could you ask the question in a uh, – maybe just a slightly – I think I've misunderstood the question. I just want to make sure I've got it right, though. Could you ask the question yeah. again maybe in, in another way? I just want to make sure the I pay correct homage to it. The way in which we are conducting our um, personal relationships like yes. um, um, marriage, we're, we're going through a big upheaval around how we – we um, conduct ourselves in our personal relationships. Uh, so yep. how would you, how could your tenants of your sovereign leadership, um, yep. you know, assist in that? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Understood now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I thought, I thought that was the way I just wanted to, to make sure that was, that was right. So one of the key, one of the key tenants of, of, of the sovereign leadership model is being of service. Um, and and all the tenants connect with with each other. So I'll, I'll name I'll name a few to to assist. So mastery, which is mastery of the nine areas of life. Uh, I have nine areas of life. So there's mastery of self, basically. We have being of service. Uh, we have empathetic wisdom, self compassion, and um, cosmic diplomacy. Now those those five tenants move uh, work very very powerfully together. And mm. in fact, all of them do, but, but it's, it's, uh, I won't get into all of them because we're for time restraints, of course, but those five tenants particularly work very well in enhancing our relationship to self, the clarity of our relationship to self. And once we have that clarity of self, once we are able to be self-compassionate, once we are able to master our areas of life and, be, and gain deep spiritual competency and practical competency in our areas of life... And we're able to be empathetic towards self, understand self um, very differently and understand self in, in a very interconnected way. And then through that compassion, be kind to self. We're able then to extend that to our intimate partnerships, to our family, to our, our familial relationships, to um our colleagues, our communities, because when we begin, the sovereign leadership model is all about understanding self, mastering self, and governing self. You know, when you speak to um, uh, developmental psychologists, they will tell you that the best way to for a child to learn uh, how to navigate their way through the world, how they form their beliefs, their ideologies, their behaviours, is to observe through example. So when we lead ourselves very naturally through life, 
Others are able to observe that authentic posturing. And if it resonates with them, that will inspire them. And if it inspires them, then they will take lead, so to speak. And that is a very authentic, natural form of leadership. So when we speak to the sovereign leadership model and how it enhances our relationships, well, it gets us in alignment with our truth. And therefore, we bring in and draw into uh, we into our own lives um, electromagnetically, spiritually, emotionally, physiologically, those very empowering relationships rather than disempowering relationships. We bring in authentic relationships because we have great clarity on who we are as human mm. beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, beautiful. And it's about... Um, you know, seeing what we can give, what we can bring from that place of generosity mm. and kindness and from love instead of looking at from that place of brokenness and what mm. someone else can bring me because I feel inadequate and insecure and unwhole. Mm. When you come from that place of wholeness and that peace and that grace and that abundance that is already within us, then it is a joy to be in service, to be in loving service. Mm, mm, mm. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, beautifully, mm. beautifully articulated again, Sandy, yeah. Mm, mm. Okay, so thank you, lovelies, for your heart's loving presence and for sharing in this hour's insightful, reflective, authentic heart-centered share with Steph Sifandos. As we have discussed as models of sovereign leadership, and what attitudes and practices we are required to cultivate if we are going to be our true, authentic self, seeing ourselves as whole, loving, peaceful and prosperous so we can do business the heart's way, knowing that when we co-create with the divine mystery, love and gratitude is always the answer to finding a new way of being and responding in this moment now. Next week, our guest will be Nancy Rhines, who comes to share her miraculous and awe-inspiring story of awakening from being an atheist scientist to seeing herself as one with the light after a near-death experience from a bicycle accident and how we can be the embodiment of heaven on earth now. Till our hearts join together as one next week, I send you much love and blessings from my heart to yours. May your week be overflowing with all that you are always now. Love, joy, and peace. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Sounds of the Heart. Sandy Goldstone invites you to join her again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Connect to your own divine nature in the coming week and explore within.